Our Girl Podcast. This is Lissy, and I'm here with Angie, and we are going to talk about episode five of Star Girl season two, titled Summer School Chapter Five, because we're here with a very, very dynamic and interesting uh, episode titles, like <laughs> as you can see. Um, this episode was a little, a little what we sort of expected it to be. It was Cameron heavy. It was sort of Cameron's turn. Um, and I would like to state also that it was a little bit what we predicted regarding Cameron being the one to sort of uh, see through Cindy. Um, I will say, and then maybe we want to start talking about Cameron and we want to start there. I will say it wasn't for the reasons I thought uh, that Cameron said no, Cindy. And I really, really like his reasons. Um, this episode sort of made me like Cameron even more. And then that also ties into it will make me so much sadder if and probably when he eventually has his turn on the dark side. Yeah, I agree. I think the the reason of him not going to like team up with Cindy willingly being you've never been sorry about anything. So basically he's not teaming with Cindy because he doesn't like her, not because he believes in like the like inner goodness of people or whatever. He's just like, no, remember that time in fourth grade where you said that really mean thing to me? Mm, I didn't let that go. So not working with you, not interested. Goodbye. Um, the other note that I had about this, I swear, I wrote Lizzie was right. And I put like so many eyes in it. Cause girl, you called that like what two episodes ago or something like, Right, you were, um, you were definitely on it. it. It felt like this is what was gonna happen. I just really like that the show still surprised me because, right, when he was all like, "Remember that thing you said about your mom in fourth grade?" Um, the, that also brings up the idea that if he holds grudges this way, when he finds out about Courtney or Mike or whatever and his dad, that grudge is gonna probably last a while because if he's still holding grudges about something Cindy said in fourth grade, um, Cameron, maybe um, maybe we need to talk about like your anger management issues. Um, <laughs> It's like every episode, there's a new character who needs to work through their rage. I guess right. this one is Cameron. Well, the original character who needed to work through his rage is back. Because Rick had a moment this episode where he was there in the car, like, looking at Cameron. And I was like, Rick, what are you going to do? Are you just going to back him? Like, what? And I could feel his rage um, because... And, and it's it's a little bit of an unfair rage, if we're being honest. Like, Cameron hasn't done anything. But his dad did, and the ISA did, and they are the reason Rick's parents are dead. So I, I understand Rick hasn't really dealt with that. Like, he's grown in so many other ways, but we're not going to kid. He hasn't dealt with it. So it's a little understandable that he is he turned into ragey Rick for a few minutes this episode. Though I will say I haven't missed that side of Rick. No, I definitely agree. It's, um, that moment was very, he was being very aggressive. And for a second I was like, is this because he, like Cameron's starting to talk to Courtney again? Oh wait, no, I need to remember that like, it's the ISA who is responsible for killing his parents. So obviously he, Rick also probably, holds on to grudges for a while, even though he's working on his one with Grundy by feeding him expensive cheeseburgers. So like, I think our boy's progressing in processing his emotions, but I guess when you see like 
a mural of someone who tried to kill you, you're going to get a little aggressive again. But I am proud of our boy for following that scene. He does stick up for Beth when they're talking to Pat because he's like, what if Beth is right? And has anyone ever said that on this show? I mean, are people actually listening to Beth on this show? I'm not really sure that they are. So I liked that he said that so like deliberately to try to like like help Beth convince Pat that they need to find Dr. Midnight. Right, and I also, I, I made a note about it because it felt so important to me that he did that because you can sort of see him thinking about it before he says it. Um, then Pat says something else and he's like, you know what, I am gonna say the thing. And, and I think we all gotta remember that Pat is the only parental figure all of these kids have and that contradicting Pat might be hard for Rick and for all of them because like Pat's the only responsible adult male adult figure they all look up to um and Barbara hasn't really gotten that that much time with the other kids so they all look up to Pat um Pat has been there as they fought big things and like they trust Pat and for Rick to be like you know what Pat maybe we should listen to Beth and then I think it's it, it's big for Rick but also, do you notice Beth's face as he did mm -hmm. it? She lit up. And I was like, and then these are the kind of things we've been noticing since season one that we said, this might be them doing a very slow setup for romance, or it might just be them developing the friendships. Uh, but it is clear that the stronger dynamic um, for these two characters is each other. Beth and Rick have a connection. Um, I don't think anyone can deny that. And then uh, on the other side, we see that Courtney and Yolanda are the typical high school BFFs. <laughs> they go no, like literally they're each other's shadow. Like it was kind of funny when Courtney was trying to talk to Cameron and then in, um, when they were walking down the streets, I was like, do you go anywhere without Yolanda? And I, honestly, I didn't go anywhere without my best oh friend. Oh my God. A hundred percent. And I was definitely that friend where like, if a boy tried to talk to my best friend in high school, I was the one who scared that boy because I was like, there's no way that you deserve my best friend. And to this day, there are several of my best friend's ex-boyfriends from high school who are scared of me. So I take that as a point of pride. <laughs> And that uh, Yolanda feels like that's the vibe she was going for. Like she wasn't even really happy to let Courtney talk to Cameron when Courtney was like, I have to. And Yolanda was like, are you sure that's a good idea? And Courtney was like, Courtney, yes. And, and Yolanda in this case was like, Courtney, no. Um, and she she gave Courtney some space and then sent 50 million texts um, and was probably really happy to send them. Do you want to talk about the Courtney parts of this episode? Because I I yelled Courtney no at some point, but it was because she walked away from a boy trying to kiss her. You kiss the boy first. How long does it take? You have time to kiss the boy before you leave. Kiss bye. This is, it's so simple. I, I don't understand why she stopped. Like, right, it takes you 10 seconds. Like, and then the whole thing with Yolanda, like it was kind of fun because she got like 20 million um, texts at like the same time, but like they weren't even that all, all that time sensitive. Like you could see that it was already night, um, like the sun was setting. And then when they, they came back to them at the school, it was already night. So you had a few minutes, Courtney, um, like unless 
getting into the costume takes you that long. Like you had a few minutes to kiss the boy. Um, and then Cameron says something and he, it, it's actually super fair when he's telling Courtney, like you let me hang in before. And I'm really glad they did that because if not, what was the explanation? For, for the relationship. So I'm really glad they brought it up, the continuity of Cameron saying, hey, you let me hang in before. And then when Courtney says, like, last time or something, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get another time, right? And then that's going to probably not help with uh, Cameron's whole powers thing. Which, question, did we know the entire family had powers? Because no, not, right? no, no, we did not. Big note, did we know grandma had powers? Because when she was threatening Cindy, I was like, wait, I don't remember this. Did we know this? Um, I don't think we did. So because we saw we saw in like season one, right, that there was a hint of Cameron having the ice power. So we know like there was the father-son thing, but we also didn't know it went beyond like the generation before Jordan. So this is a really interesting point that we could consider, right? Because it seems like the powers on the bad guy's side are more genetic, right? Because Artemis is super strong, just like her mom and dad. And then we have the ice powers that also came from the parents too, versus on our JSA side, it's more about them being chosen and it's not really in their control. So if we're going to think about this, plus our boy Mike, right? If he's going to go bad, is something genetic suddenly going to pop up? Or what, what is thinking, it? I keep thinking it has to do with his mom. And I will not stop thinking about that because they brought her in for two seconds. So I keep thinking it has to do with his mom. The only thing I, my, my question remains, does Pat know? Like, is this something that Pat could have possibly not known? Um, but I really like that the thing you just brought up about choice versus sort of destiny, kind of like the the kids are the the ISA kids are meant sort of to be bad. And I think that that ties into a really interesting thing about the ISA kids. But like they're believing this is their, their destiny, but they also get a choice. Uh, and they will all have to make that choice at some point. And I, I believe it's been set up. I think the only one that hasn't been set up as having a good side that could uh, potentially make the right choice is Isaac. He, we haven't gotten that much time with him to think, oh, he could at some point make the right choice. But I think Artemis, the way they've developed her, you could see her making the right choice at some point. Um, I think it's clear that what Cameron, like even if he turns bad or if he does questionable things, because he's gonna find out what happened to his dad for sure. And I'm, I'm, I don't think his his anger management issues, like I, it, it's the boys in this show apparently have some anger issues. Um, but um, even Cindy, I think, has been set up as a character that you could see in this uh, episode particularly starts with her as a girl and sort of what Dragon King did to her, sort of so you can sort of see the other side of Cindy that maybe doesn't want to be this person, just wants control of her life. Yeah, because, I mean, that was a straight-up horror movie again at the beginning. Like, a monster showing up in your bedroom and taking you away. That is the nightmare we all had as kids. And it shows us that, like, Cindy had a normal life at one point. So she knows kind of, like, what love feels like. She knows what safety feels like. And who knows when's the last time that she has felt that way. It's 
probably been a long time. So I think that it adds another layer to her like distaste for Courtney because Courtney kind of has all of those things. Courtney has the love of her family. Courtney has safety. So potentially she could be like jealous of Courtney, especially because she does have such a strong relationship with her mom and baby Cindy, like, or Cindy hasn't seen her mom since she was a baby probably. And where we don't know, we still don't know exactly what happened there between her and her mom, but we're getting more hints. Right, but like if we've always assumed that the thing we heard was right, that she hurt her mom. Right. Um, but now I'm starting to doubt if maybe that's something that she thinks happened and didn't actually happen the way she thinks it did. Because, I mean, it would be on par for the course for Dragon King to sort of manipulate Cindy in every way uh, possible. Like I'm starting Ooh. to doubt like, is is that something he made her believe to just be able to turn her into the weapon he wanted to turn her? Is her mom even dead? Um, we don't know. Um, parents are coming out from the woodwork <laughs> left and right here. Like we don't know. Um, it, but it's interesting because I think most of these kids have been set up with a very easy redemption arc. Um, and uh, the question would be, will they pull the trigger? And like they don't need the kids to all be quote-unquote evil. They, we have Eclipso, and Eclipso is a problem, it, like, a big problem. We don't need more. Yeah, we have we have enough of an evil to deal with with Eclipso. And I like what you said about, like, just parents coming out of the word because it reminds me of another thought I had while watching, because I'm like, does anyone stay dead on this show? Because, <laughs> like... Henry. Henry Jr. Uh, oh. <laughs> I didn't want to make the joke, but like, oof, that took the air out of my tires. Uh, well, because Yolanda's still getting those brainwave migraines. Dr. Midnight's back, Starman's back. And like, are we to believe that Icicle from the Great Beyond is like sending his son messages through ice or something because of like that weird like right. scene in front of the mural? So I'm like, yeah. Are any of these people actually dead? Other than, I guess, Henry Jr. And that sweet baby boy from season one. What was his name? Joey? Oh, yes. Yeah. Only the good people stay dead. I know. That's messed up. <laughs> I mean, this is a comic book show, so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I do think we're supposed to believe there's something to Cameron um, because there were a couple of scenes in front of the mural where um, you could feel you could either interpret them as him getting his powers and not sort of not knowing what's happening uh, but it could also be interpreted as like a message from beyond and um, or it could have been like the grandma uh, we don't know um, and also or like at this point if if uh, Dr. Midnight, the original is in the Shadowlands. Is everyone in the Shadowlands? Does every, anyone die? Like, how do you, I mean, we, we discussed that that before and now um, that the Shadowlands in general bring up the shade as the shade, Courtney bought his story hook, line, and sinker. He was like the difference between evil and bad and Courtney just recited that back to Pat, like everything he said was 100% right which like i mean he's not a good guy court you don't have to trust everything like you could have taken a, a little bit of the information he gave you like taking it with a grain of salt and being like i'm gonna do research or i have more information and instead she was like yes bad guy told me this 
check mark believe so why mm -hmm. why why courtney indeed yeah going back to the shade i flagged an interesting line that he said to barbara the person you remind me of is family which i thought was really interesting because in the comics at least the, the run that i read he lost his memories in the comics so who is he remembering that is family that Barbara reminds him of. I think that's that's something that's going to come back later. We need to pay attention to that. Right. And it's also interesting because if Barbara reminds him of someone who's family, it might be possible that Courtney reminds him of the same person too. Uh, Courtney and Barbara have um, uh, a lot in common, uh, not just physically. Um, but in, in the way they behave, um, and and I really that that is one of the good things about Courtney. So before we start with the Courtney, no, I want to say um, this about Courtney. She when they like the the scene at the school was also kind of like scary. It, it the the way it was set up, like this season has been downright scary. Um, but Courtney was very focused as soon as she noticed um, the teacher needed help on helping. And that's Courtney to a T. She wants to help. And that's one of the reasons why it's hard to get truly mad at her, even when you're like, Courtney, like, engage your brain, because she's just trying to help, right? I mean, she should have probably waited for Pat, but she was trying to help. So mm -hmm. how are you going to be mad at her if she's trying to help people? And she accidentally did exactly what she needed to do because we know again from the comics that the only way Eclipso can really be defeated is through like super bright light and he gets scared and runs away in the comics from that. Except she did it here and it was actually scary the way that like Eclipso melded to the art teacher. That was that was a pretty scary moment to watch. Um, in addition, I think we should talk about like the visions that Eclipso made them all see, because that tells us a lot about these characters, right? So Rick is clearly still working through who's the monster, Grundy or you, he's working through those feelings. Yolanda's working through her guilt with killing the Henrys. Beth is working through what it means with her parents getting separated. It's just, it's a lot. It, it is, and I, I find it interesting that Courtney wasn't really affected. I, I know we're supposed to believe it's because she had the staff and the light, um, but it seems like a super easy answer that could there, there could be something behind it because she didn't even have a moment where she got the same visions. She was absolutely not affected from the beginning. She was like, what is going on, guys? Uh, why are you reacting this way? And then she sort of figured it out and might be that it's the simple answer. She had the staff, there's light. Um, but if not, what could be the reason um, Courtney wasn't as affected as everyone else, um, especially because we haven't seen anyone else not be affected by Eclipse. Uh, even Cindy is being affected by Eclipse, despite the fact that Cindy doesn't believe she's being affected by Eclipse. So I, I wrote that down and found it really interesting that Courtney was just like, ah, you guys have ambitions. Let me just go run and say yeah. t-shirt. I'll be back. She she was able to outrun any vision like Eclipso couldn't catch her. She was like so fast or or are we to believe that Courtney just doesn't have enough emotional trauma to be haunted by any kind of vision? Because her life has been pretty sweet so far. I guess the one thing would be probably like what happened with her biological dad, perhaps like still working through her dad issues, maybe. 
Maybe, maybe because I made another note that um, about this line. Sometimes you gotta face your fears, and I put oh that bodes well. But maybe the thing with Courtney is that she already faced that fear with her dad. Her dad already showed up. She already had that horrible moment. That fear has already been faced. Maybe what Eclipso is taking advantage of is the fears that these people are keeping inside and having fears they haven't faced. Maybe Courtney just doesn't have a fear like that. Maybe Courtney has faced her fears. Um, Rick and like everyone, like, can you imagine the Eclipso getting a hold of Cameron? Like everyone has these fears. Um, and maybe that's it, but that could be an interesting thing that the entire uh, thing about Eclipse could be about facing your fears. And I can imagine Pat and Barbara have fears about their kids and everything. Yeah. And um, I assume the next episode is going to go into Mike and, and Cindy's attempts to recruit Mike uh, since she couldn't with Cameron. Um, so th that's going to be interesting. Just as it's going to be interesting what role Cameron's going to play as sort of as a third player, like he's a free agent now. Um, he he said no to Cindy, but he's not very happy with Courtney, and he doesn't have reasons to be like. I hope Courtney next day, like first thing in the morning, as they're walking into school, is like, can you can I see you here for a minute and kiss him in the corner? Because if not, that's just gonna come back to bite her, because she wants to. I know. Just kiss already. Do I need to like break out and to kiss the girl from The Little Mermaid, like? I will dress up as Sebastian the Crab and just serenade these children in high school and get them to kiss. Come on. Um, I'm sorry, I have a lot of feelings about that. Uh, speaking of Mike, uh, what do you think about Pat offering like a little side project for him? I, I really enjoyed that part because earlier in the conversation, I was a little worried that they were setting Mike up to be like, my family doesn't care, so I will go join this other team. Um, and instead, Pat sort of found the right words for that Mike needed in that moment. Um, and I think Barbara being there actually helped, like in the support. And like, I, I really thought that was a really nice scene. And Mike was kind of adorable, like he just wants to help. Um, he was trying to get a getaway car. It seems like such a silly idea, but wasn't that what Stripesy did? So, I mean, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's keeping it in the family. But at the same time, I'm also thinking to myself, okay, so Pat is doing his Pat and his great dad and like work, helping his son work through his loan and help him feel to be part of a team. How is this going to go badly? Because it will. So that's just always something that I'm keeping in the back of my head with this because we know that it's going, that turn is going to happen. And we know that Pat's parenting decisions aren't always the best option for his kids. But I did like that in this episode specifically, Pat and Courtney apologize to each other. Like it's a very like, it's a very like like respectful moment between the two that like he respects her as a person and saying like I'm sorry that I didn't tell you this I'm sorry I kept this thing from you and she says you know I'm star I'm sorry for like breaking our house rules that was a very lovely moment I feel for the two of them but he's not handling the stuff with Mike as good as he's handling the stuff with Courtney I think which is a shame right and I think it's probably because it feels easier with Mike 
like he's got this relationship with Mike that he feels is probably stronger. So he maybe feels like he doesn't have to work on it as much because he, he feels more confident in how strong his relationship with his kid is. And Courtney, well, like he came into her life later. And so he feels like maybe I, this is the feeling I get that Pat might feel like he needs to put more work into it. And then you can see the thing is Mike can also see it. So that can lead to resentment um, because why are you putting more work into the relationship with her than you're putting into the relationship with me? Um, I I don't see any big red flags um, as to why Mike would turn evil right now. Um, and then there are a lot of things this show is just bringing up and then just leaving there hanging. Um, that like because the. Starman disappeared. The the pan got to Jakim, and then we're like, bye, Jakim. Uh, Jenny was gone, and we're like, yeah, forget about it. I'm like, it feels like it's all gonna come back at the same time, and we're gonna be overwhelmed. Oh yeah, especially since uh, we were talking off air about this, but there's one more episode that has an air date, and then we don't have dates for the other episodes, right? So if they decide to bring the cavalry back next episode that's going to be overwhelming and such a cliffhanger but they may actually save it for the like penultimate episode of the season that probably makes more sense and then setting that up for season three perhaps i hope not um i i i feel like maybe the cliffhanger next episode like i feel like eclipse has to do something he did something uh this episode but it sort of didn't work um so we might get a focus on mike uh next episode but we might just get a clip so like going a little bit bigger so right now he he's tried with the t-shirt and everything but it's all more or less keeping to what cindy wants but we're going into episode six at what point is the clip so gonna just like start going off the rails and doing the opposite of what cindy wants because maybe what we're gonna see is that the isa and the jsa have to sort of work together not because they like each other or because they're on the same side but because hey bigger problems here that cindy caused but whatever bigger problems um so that might be a fun way to go into the back half of the season to set up uh, a moment where um the isa well the young isa and the new jsa would have to sort of work together a little bit um because eclipso is a bigger problem and that doesn't even uh touch upon the whole dr charles mcnighter thing and like how he's stuck in the shadowlands and like what, what are we gonna do about it so much there's so much to keep track of in this season just like how we fall in season one there's just so much to keep track of i do want to talk about with the the magnitude of Eclipso as a villain, because I was thinking about this earlier, and his whole thing is he can get in your head, right? So maybe the global issue that's going to happen, that could happen, is that Eclipso is plotting to brainwash everyone, right? Like he's going to get in the heads of everyone for some nefarious reason, which would be interesting if they went that route, since it's also kind of similar to season one, how like it ended with the ISA's plan, they wanted to like brainwash the Midwest to believe what they believe, right? So maybe it'll be like just another step beyond that. Maybe they're going to try to brainwash the whole country or the world. It's Eclipso. It could, it could probably be the world if it's Eclipso. We know how powerful he is. And with the Shade being interested in defeating him too, I think that perhaps there was some 
moments in the past where Eclipso got into the shade's head and made him do something that he didn't want to do. And that's why he's so interested in getting rid of him once and for all. But that's just, that's, that's just a theory I worked on when I was trying to get my baby to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like that idea. And I think that might tie into what we were talking about earlier about them, the season maybe being sort of about facing your fears. Um, because there's a moment where uh, the shade uh, refers to the kids are like they're far too young to face the horror within. But maybe being that young means there is less horror within. Um, maybe it'll actually be easier. Like if these are the issues these kids have, like I'm not saying they're easy, but they feel like issues you could work through. Whereas like maybe if you're like, I don't know, 60, you have more issues to work through than if you're 15. That's just yeah. the way life is. And the shade, we know the shade is hundreds of years old, at right. least. So there, he's seen some stuff. He definitely has some issues. So imagine if Eclipse had gone into his head. Right. So so that's interesting. Um, and, and it ties back into the whole team of the season. Um, that is, I think, well, I mean, we talked earlier about choice versus destiny. Um, but it's also maybe about making the choice to face the things that scare you. And uh, interestingly, Beth has to face this thing with her parents, and her parents seem almost normal this episode. They had a couple of decent moments, and I was like, you're not fooling me. I remember you being horrible two seconds ago. What is going on? Are you a Eclipso? It's like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, like with, it's the Mar- how we're like, oh, is it Mephisto for Marvel shows? Now it's just, oh, is it Eclipso for DC shows? We just always think it's Eclipso now. <laughs> I mean, they just were really nice. Um, although it, it might just be a thing that they're saying that they could have always been like this, except Bad never asked more of that. Because this time she did confront them. And I think she got a little bit of the confidence to do that from Rick supporting her earlier. Like it all ties back to to Ben having more confidence to be like, you know what, to her parents, I deserve better than to be lied to. Um, what is going on? Um, yeah. And I think that was a good moment for Beth. And then maybe that ties into now she's more confident. Yeah, because when you don't think that highly of yourself, you accept terrible behavior from others and how they treat you. So I like that she seems to like be working on those emotional boundaries and expecting more out of her loved ones now. Right. Um, and then I guess, I guess the ISA is going for Mike. Like that's a setup for for next episode. But like, I mean, I'm, again, we talked about this earlier, but I'm worried. Like why and why? Yeah, and how right. and when? Well, like, yeah, but like it's Mike hasn't we haven't seen anything from Mike other than um the Thunderbolt that shows us anything in particular that would be a reason why Cindy would be going after him. Um well the only thing I could think about is he may be a little frustrated right now, maybe because he doesn't have powers. Being a hero doesn't really come innately for him and he hasn't been chosen really. Like he had the pen and then he lost it, and now like he's trying to like find his place so maybe he's working through some frustration feelings with that but that is that on its own isn't enough to make you go bad right but maybe what you just brought up and maybe if uh cindy brings up his mom and this idea that he was chosen to be a bad guy but this is his destiny sort of Mm -hmm. that could push him towards 
I, I don't think it would be long lasting, but it could at least make Mike uh, waver for a little bit. But in general, Sydney's team is not very solid. Like, I don't know if she realizes, but like the only person who seems solid is Isaac, and he's, the, and Artemis, they, they all got really, really, I, I said the boys, but Artemis also, like, they all got anger management issues. Like, we could get a therapist to, like, go around, and then, like, that, the lady from Ted Lasso could just <laughs> stay here. That's, that's what Blue Valley needs, is uh, psychiatric okay. help. I mean, it would help so many people. I'm so many sure. people in that town. It's a small town. They probably need at what most, like two therapists, and then they're good. Right. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm just worried about what's coming um, for Mike and for my babies that all need a little anger management issues. That they need to handle them, and then there's the Rick thing, and then Grundy seems like a bomb ready to go off. We haven't even really seen him. And Reed keeps feeding him. Like, that seems counterproductive. Can Grundy get bigger? I don't know. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, if he keeps feeding him, he has to just be getting bigger, right? That's how that works? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either, but, like, uh, the, the first five episodes have been really interesting. But it all seems like it's building up and it's building up and then we're reaching a point where you're like, there's so much built up. How is this even going to be handled? Like, I know we got, we're not even halfway through the season, but the build up has been so big that it feels like some of these things will have to be left for season three, especially considering they sort of knew they were going to have a season three. Um, Or maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. What do you think? I think there has to be something saved for season three, honestly, because there's just way too much or too many dominoes being stacked up here. I think if they're going to push anything to season three, maybe like the Shadowlands stuff, perhaps, and then bringing Jenny to be more involved in season three, maybe she'll get up to a series regular. I don't know. But as they're like trying to find Dr. Midnight in the Shadowlands, Maybe there's something about Jenny's brother in there and that like kind of like ties that and brings that back. I'm not sure though. I really am not. But I'm really curious to see what the back half of the season is going to hold for us. I'm also super like interested in like in a slash concerned way in that uh, Dr. Midnight is is alive. You're sort of bringing quote unquote uh, the original Starman back. Like how do you bring in the original heroes and still keep the JSA we've grown to love. Like, how does that work? Like, do you bring them in and then they're just like, you know what, we're gonna retire when you fix the problems? Like, I don't I don't know what they do, but like, it seems a little weird. Yeah, I don't know if they will go gently into being mentor figures versus like the main heroes. So there could definitely be some conflict among the JSA should the original members return and demand the stuff that Courtney stole back. Right, because Courtney saw, stole everything. He cleaned the place out. <laughs> oh, Courtney. God, I mean, Courtney, when she goes for something, she goes full on. Except Cameron, apparently. Except for kissing a boy, which right. I, again, I question this as a as a character choice. That is not the Courtney way. 
No, and kissing like a very good luck looking boy that you want to kiss that wants to kiss you and then probably spend spend the last six months or who knows how long doing weights just to look better for you. Courtney, yeah, like doing weights and sketching you. Come on. Right. Also, oh my God, whoever is doing those drawings, let's talk. Can I commission something? Because they were beautiful. I know. It was gorgeous. So yes, um, as we uh, go on a little art tangent, I think that's it. Do you have anything else <laughs> to add for this uh, episode? I think the only other note I had is like, the art teacher thing was fun with all the paint because that reminded me of one of the Stars and Stripe issues. That's it. I think it was like issue, what did I write down? Three, two, four, somewhere in there. What <laughs> <laughs> of those numbers? One of those numbers. There's an issue of the original Stars and Stripe comic that involves like an art teacher maybe being evil and lots of paint and stuff. So I liked that callback. Yeah, visually it was very good. I think this season has been very good visually, like the scary parts too. Um, that's something uh, Stargirl has always done well and that we re remark on a lot during season one. And we're glad that now with the show on the CW, we're still seeing the same level that we saw in season one. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it for this episode. Uh, you can visit StargirlPodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. You can subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you are on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. And don't forget, we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. DCTV Podcast has its own T Public store, so if you're interested in DCTV related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome gear. It does help support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. And if you have questions, thoughts about Stargirl, etc., please email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. See you later. Bye.